Welcome back to the Marnie Blick Tapes, a curated collection of Detective Marnie Blick's best cases. Marnie Blick was a private detective in the mid-90s to early 2000s who kept a detailed log of her cases. And we, me, Nicholas Sato, and me, Antonius Nazareth, have gotten access to these files and begun organizing them to share them with the world one case at a time. Marnie Blick was paralyzed from the waist down, so like many of us during the 2020 pandemic, she was forced to work from home. And after a brief hiatus, she returned by sending her assistant, Finn Graham, out to do field work and report back to her by phone. She recorded all those calls and documented all the interviews taken by Finn. So that's what you'll be listening to, those tapes, calls, and recordings as we work our way through each case. Which brings us to today's case. The case we've named The Deceptive Drowning of Nick the Fish Turner. Nick Turner, or The Fish, as many local surfers knew him as, was well-liked in the community of Palos Verdes, California. He had dirty blonde hair and was in great shape, and had a smile that was described as very warm. He was a former real estate agent who, within the past few years, had started a journey into music as a hip-hop producer. He partnered up with a rapper from Los Angeles called Andre Cooper, and together they formed a group called Petty Cash. The two had been celebrating a recent deal with Ruthless Records the night prior to Nick's death. Nick's only public negatives were his use of pot and frequent noise complaints for the loud parties he threw. He was only 26 when he died. August 19th, 1996. A surfer, Andrew Mull, pulled up to Bluff Cove, a local surfing hotspot, only a couple blocks away from Nick's home. He parked, unhitched the board from the top of his car, and made his way down the hill that leads you to the beach. It was a brisk 64 degrees, but the sun had just risen and began warming up for the day. As he headed down the hill for the first surf of the day, he noticed something. A board crashing on the shore. But as he got closer, he realized he knew that board. It belonged to a friend of his. He looked out to the ocean. No one was in the water, at least not that he could see. He looked back to the board, and that's when he saw it. The body of Nick Turner. The police concluded that Nick died from drowning. His neck had ligature marks that corresponded to his surfboard's leash, and his lungs were filled with water. The forensic pathologists determined that he died from asphyxiation a few hours before he was found. The surf was very big when Andrew found Nick, so the theory was that Nick was caught and submerged by a strong wave, and that his board's leash had wrapped around his neck. He failed to come up in time. But this theory was one that Detective Marnie Blick didn't agree with. And it's a theory that she proved wrong. Hello? Hi, Drew. This is Detective Marnie Blick. Oh, hi. Uh, thanks for calling me back. Of course. How are you? Uh, I'm cool. Uh, how are you? Andrew Mole stands at 5'6" a short, buff, hairy man with a thick beard. In a photo from around this time, he looks like he could be in his early 40s, 
so we were surprised to find out he was actually only a few years older than Nick. What you're hearing is an early call between Andrew and Marnie. I just listened to your message, and I would like to get a scope of what happened from your point of view. Yeah, sure. Um, I can do that. Great. Like, right now? Yes, if you have time. Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, I can do that. Do you want me to start on the day? Yes, that'd be great. And if it's all right with you, I will be recording this conversation. Totally, yeah, of course. Um, so, should I just go? Yes, please explain to me what happened on the morning of August 19th. All right. Um, so, I don't really remember much in the morning, but I probably uh, woke up and ate some cereal and uh, put my wetsuit on and jacket, and from there went down um, to the, the bluff. I parked my car uh, next to Nick's car, and you have to walk down this hill to go down to the beach. And as I was walking down, I saw Nick's board crashing on the shore. Um, I thought he might have just biffed it on a wave, but as I got closer, I finally saw that there was a body rolling on the shore as well. So I ditched my board and I rushed over, and um, when I got there, he was gone. So when you got there, Nick had already passed. Yeah, that's what the cops said. Uh, he wasn't breathing or anything. And you called the cops? Yeah, I tried some CPR on Nick, but it was too late. So I ran back to my car. There's a payphone next to the entrance. And after they arrived, they took Nick? Yeah, they brought him to the hospital and they told me, or his dad told me, that, his, that he actually drowned. The report also says he has ligature marks around his neck. Yeah, uh, they said it, it was probably marks from his leash. They said it, it got wrapped around his neck when he went under. And the mark to match his surfboard leash. I don't know. Sorry, yeah, I'm reading aloud. I have the report in front of me. Oh, gotcha. But then things changed when you went to his funeral. Yeah, his, uh, his paddle out. It's a thing people do here where you like paddle out into the ocean. It's like a mini funeral with friends and stuff. When was this? Uh, it was at the beach. It was two days after, on a Wednesday. So shortly after? Yeah. Me, like five other dudes, paddled out at like 6 a.m. And uh, the water was super calm. It was like two days after, and I thought that maybe the water was chill on a Monday, too. So I called up Surfline, and they confirmed it. The waves didn't even pick up until like 7, 7.30 when I got there. I see. So that felt strange to you. Yeah, uh, the fish is a good swimmer. Like, he'll come out and surf no matter what. Even when he was totally sloshed, there's no way he could have drowned in such small waves. There's no way, dude. So you think that someone murdered him and dumped him in the ocean? I mean, yeah, possibly. There's some crazy people here. I just know that Nick wouldn't have just drowned. Like, if you grew up here surfing, then there's just no way you drown. Especially on a calm day, I'm telling you. Okay, I understand. Did Nick have any enemies, or was he involved in any criminal activity? Uh, Nick's dad and him don't seem, uh, don't see eye to eye. And, uh, he, his dad got sued because of an accident at one of Nick's parties. His girl, Tina, they fought sometimes. I think she's cool, though. Um, he had been hanging around with a lot of people from L.A., they can get kind of sketchy. Were you pretty close with Nick? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, uh, I, 
I'm like his closest surfing friend. Um, Nick, Nick was friends with a bunch of people, uh, so they could be like separate. What do you mean? I, I don't hang out with his friends, like his rapper friends, or like I haven't gone to his place beside when he throws a party or something. Ah, uh, okay. I get it now. Yeah, I mean, there's like surf friends, music friends, party friends, real estate friends. He's kind of the guy everyone knows. So he's a pretty likable person. Yeah, he was an awesome guy. I know this is a tough time, but I will do my best to clear things up. Thanks, I appreciate it, Detective. You're welcome. My assistant, Finn, will be flying out in the next few days. If you hear of any new information, please contact me on the same number. Finn flew out to California to conduct the interviews. After talking with Andrew in person, he got in contact with Gary Turner, Nick's father. Gary was 59 and owned a real estate firm, the same firm that Nick had worked for. He was tall, tanned, and cleanly shaven. Nick's mother died during childbirth, and Gary never remarried, so Gary raised Nick single-handedly from birth. He had a girlfriend at the time, Karen Belgi, who stayed with him often. Nick lived at home. He had moved out with his own girlfriend for a short while, but soon moved back in with Gary, his dad. This was the home where Nick threw his infamous parties. It was a two-story house on a cliff that overlooked the ocean. It had a large pool in the backyard and plenty of space for those parties. And from what we can tell, Gary was not a fan of them. After getting in contact with Gary, Finn made plans with Gary at his home for an in-person interview as well as for a tour of the house. Bless the flight. Thanks for asking. Can I get you some water? Uh, no, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, if you could sit down for me, we can start the interview. Uh, sure. Okay, shoot. <clears throat> so, how would you describe your relationship with your son? Well, a few weeks ago, I would have said it was fine. But in retrospect, I uh, made a lot of mistakes. I regret not being more compassionate and Understanding with his life choices. Well, how do you mean? Well, I own a real estate firm, and Nick had been working under me. He was a really talented agent. And, uh, I mean, he had charisma. He was a smart kid. And that's all you really need in this business. Mm. Yeah. But then he got into music, uh, which is fine. Just not as a career. So he basically quit and started making music. And you weren't a fan? Well, uh, no parent is going to be excited to hear that their kid wants to be a musician, especially when they have a stable job. I see. Yeah. I assume you don't have any kids? Uh, no, not yet. Well, you know, you'll, you'll see. So, um... The night before, Nick had been celebrating a deal over a song that he and his friend Andre had made. Were you a part of the celebration? Uh, like I said, I wasn't very understanding of his career path. I'm also not a big fan of Andre. I mean, he's the reason Nick got into music to begin with. Right. To be honest, I, I only found out after they'd been picked up. Oh. Yeah, I wish they hadn't. Because then he wouldn't be getting trashed with that idiot, and he wouldn't have, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just never mind. You mean he wouldn't have tried? Well, it definitely didn't help. Mm-hmm. So you blame Andre for Nick's death? No, of course not. Okay. Nick wasn't a kid anymore. I mean, he made his own choices, but but getting wasted didn't help. No, I'm not trying to blame anyone. I, I'm just. No, I'm with you. I understand this is an impossibly difficult situation. Well, thank you. Um, did you interact with Tina? Yeah, occasionally. Do you like her? How was their relationship? Well, you know, I really didn't get too involved in Nick's social life, so I don't, I don't know about the two of them, but, you know, whenever I interacted with them, uh, they seemed nice. Um, and I really liked Tina. She's, she's cute. She's, she's a sweet girl. Did you ever hear them argue? Well, maybe once in a while, but, you know, they're, they're in their early 20s. Stuff happens. <clears throat> Excuse me. When they argued, did you know what it was about? Um, uh, well, you know, uh, Tina's a reasonable girl. She encouraged Nick, like me, to pursue a career he had a future in. She liked the idea of him staying in real estate. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think she saw what it could get you, and, and she's not dumb. So Tina was a good influence, and Andre wasn't. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know the kid that well. I mean, he, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. And once Nick started hanging out with him, is when he started partying more. What is Andre like? Mm, I, I, I don't know him too much. But like I said, I, I wouldn't call him sharp. He would just come here, hole up in Nick's room, they do their music thing, raid my kitchen. That was funny. Uh, but, but I mean, no, that's about it. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan. He's a cocky kid, and with not too much to show for. Do you know if Nick was into drugs? I have to ask. I don't know. I assume he did some, but it didn't seem like he was out of control. If he did, I didn't get too involved in his business. I mean, I'm upstairs, he's downstairs. And as long as he didn't keep me up, that was that was cool. Didn't he throw parties here? Only when Karen and I were gone. Oh, okay. So, so it's safe to say that you weren't here when the accident happened? No, I, I, I was here. I was sleeping when they found Nick. Oh, no, excuse me. I meant the um, accident involving Skylar Packwood. I, I heard they may have uh, slipped down some stairs. Oh, that. No, I... Uh, I wasn't here for that. I was told that you often argued with Nick over it. Well, it cost me. I mean, he continued to throw his stupid parties after and... After the lawsuit. Yeah. You know, Nick was a smart kid, but he made some dumb decisions sometimes. If he, if he had just used his brain more, just, I, 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 I don't know, he, he still be here. Such a smart kid. Hmm. I understand. My dad used to tell me, uh, what's the point of having a brain if you don't use it? <laughs> Your dad's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, on a separate note, do you have a security system installed? Any footage uh, could really help the investigation. Uh, no, it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty safe neighborhood. Um, I never really thought it was necessary. 
but um, I can ask Bill from across the street. He may have something that could help. Yeah, I would really appreciate that. And um, Gary, I just want to say thank you for taking the time. Yeah, uh, no, no problem at all. You want to maybe grab me a water? Gary provided a tour of the house. Finn describes the house in great detail, including pictures and a rough blueprint for Marty. The house was designed by a popular architect and was bought by Gary in the 80s. Finn notes, two-story, mid-century modern. Interior is minimal with expensive taste. The ground floor holds a guest bedroom that connects to the kitchen and Nick's bedroom, which connects to the garage, as well as a bathroom to the right of the entrance. Both the kitchen and Nick's bedroom have sliding glass doors that give access to the backyard. The second floor has a lounge-esque area, a dining room that looks out into the ocean, as well as Gary's office and Gary's bedroom, with a closet that Finn, and I quote, could live in. Outside are lounge chairs, a tiki-themed swim-up bar, a pool, and waist-high hedges. The yard overlooks the ocean, and once in a while, a mist will cast over the yard from the waves crashing on the cliffside. Gary also introduced Finn to his neighbor, who provided security footage of the night and morning of Nick's death. The grainy black-and-white footage only showed a part of the garage and had nothing of note the night before. The only notable footage was in the morning. Of the garage door opening, Nick's truck loaded with Nick's surfboard pulling out, pausing for a few moments before the garage began closing again. And then, the truck speeds off. Marnie's only note was why would Nick take off so quickly? The surf wasn't great, according to Drew, so there shouldn't be a rush to get out there. The Packwoods were a local family that found their wealth as lawyers. Both Stacy and Richard Packwood had been retired for a few years when their youngest son and only son from this marriage, Skyler, had fallen down during one of Nick's famous parties. Surprisingly, we couldn't find much around Skyler's case. What we know is Skyler had attended a party on June 10th, 1995. This party was hosted by Nick, and his parties were notorious for being the best ones in town. While there, Skyler drank an obscene amount of alcohol, which was proven by his autopsy report. And around 11 p.m., the ambulance was called when Skyler slipped and fell, cracking open his skull. The ambulance did arrive shortly after, but unfortunately, it was too late. Skyler was declared dead that night. Stacy and Richard filed a lawsuit quickly afterwards, but eventually settled out of court. All of Marnie and Finn's attempts at contacting the family were either unheard or ignored. They later found out that Stacy and Richard had flown to Italy a week prior to Nick's death. The only record of any contact was this. Hello? Oh, hi. Is this uh, Richard Packwood? No. Richard and Stacy are uh, they're currently out of the country. Can I take a message? Yes. Could you tell them that Detective Marnie Blick called them? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll get it right on that. And who am I speaking to? I'm just watching the house until they get back, but uh, I'll be sure to let them know. Marnie had Finn interview several friends and family members as they continued to discover more about Nick and his life. The general consensus? Nick was a lovable guy who had an affinity for the social life. In Marnie's files, we actually also found the song that had blown up for Nick and his collaborator, Andre. It's called The Last Laugh, which 
I guess is a little ironic, all things considered. Here's some of that. <laughs> I got the last laugh. They tried to slow me down, now they want an autograph. <laughs> Call me a joke, I bet you broke. Now you the riff rap, yeah, I got a big laugh. <laughs> I got the last laugh. They tried to slow me down, now they want an autograph. <laughs> Call me a joke, I bet you broke. Now you the riff rap, yeah, I got a big laugh. <laughs> they got me laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> they built a castle out of clay, I'm a tank. <laughs> Oh, no, that's, that's sweet of you. I'm fine. This Thanks. is Tina Brown, Nick's girlfriend. She lived in Torrance, a 20-minute drive away from Palos Verdes. She had long, straightened hair, a soft smile, and was almost as tall as Nick at 5'8". She was 24 and studying to be a nurse. They had been dating on and off for three years, but had been official for a little over a year. She lived on her own, paying the rent by working at a nearby bakery. Don't worry, we're just looking over things again. Why would you do that if it's already been decided, if the case is already... There are some oddities, but it could be... It, it could honestly be nothing. It's, it's really nothing to worry about. I'm here to make sure the investigation was thorough, that's all. What are the oddities, though? Uh, it's confidential. Do you mind sitting down? I'm supposed to be the one asking the questions. Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, so, can you tell me a bit about your and Nick's relationship? Okay, well, Nick and I broke up two days before he passed. I see, and if there... But I was clear about Mm -hmm. that. I already told the police officers before. So you broke up two days before the accident, and who broke up with whom? Nick broke up with me. I mean, I'm not surprised. He complained about how, like, I wasn't supportive of his... That's mainly what we fought about, that I didn't believe in his dream, music, and that stuff. Were you okay with the breakup? Of course I was. Did it upset you? I mean, I like, saw the writings on the wall, right? Mm. But it still hurt. We spent a lot of time together. Were you mad? Angry? Um, I don't think so. I didn't have time to process it. Mm. To be honest. I wasn't sure it was going to last. Had you broken up before? A couple times. Mm. And it was always Nick who broke up with you? Yes. I think I'm a little more calm than he is. Did Nick have a temper? No, I, I wouldn't say that. He would just... I don't know. Sometimes he would decide he didn't want to be with me. Why was that? It just happens. I don't know. Okay. How was your relationship with Gary? Gary and I got along great. I was the mediator between the two. Between Nick and Gary? Yes. I understand where they both are coming from. Oh, actually, I have some of Nick's stuff he left here. You're welcome to take anything. I don't know if it will help, but... Yeah, of course. Anything can help. And actually, after you're done with everything, then could you give it to Gary? He may want some of it. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. The items given were recorded, mainly consisting of clothes, CDs, and VHS tapes. And thanks again for taking the time with us. So, anyway, um, have you interacted with Andre? Yes, plenty of times. What's he like? Like, as a person? Or what's our relationship like? I'd say both. Okay. Andre is... He's a cool guy, I guess. We don't really see eye to eye. Were you friends with Andre first? 
I knew Andre first, mm. but we were never friends. Okay. Okay. How did you and Nick meet exactly? I was just through Andre. It was just through Andre and his crew that I met Nick. My friend Neo was dating Andre's friend Marcus. And Marcus told me about a party that this white kid was throwing in this mansion. And so we went to the party and I met Nick. And whose party was this? Nick's. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't following. I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah, the white boy was Nick. Got it. I see. Okay, so you met Nick at his own party. And uh, how would you describe Nick? He parties, but he's a really, really a sweet guy. A real people person. He knows how people work and how to get them to like him. Would you say he's manipulative? No, I, I don't think so. It's not sinister or anything. He got people to do stuff for him, sure. But he would do anything for his friends. Maybe more for them than for me. Was this a problem for you? No, I mean, sometimes he partied too hard with them, which would be irritating, but I'm independent. I didn't need Nick. Okay. Um, back to Andre. What's he like? He's... He's... I don't really see eye to eye with him. I said that. He was some old school... He has some old school ideas about women. He likes to party, live the big life, even though he's broke. He want to be a gangster? Like, that should be some... That should say everything. He's a stereotype. Is he, uh... Is he in a gang? He wishes. Okay. So all bark, no bite. Hmm. I mean, he's not as hard as he thinks he is, but he's jumped some kids. And I saw him fuck up a kid at a party once. Do you think he could kill someone? He might be dumb enough. So you would say Andre is a bad guy? Yes. His lifestyle is destructive, and he tried to bring Nick on, in on that world. But he showed Nick a new path, a new passion with music. But you said you weren't supportive. I just was worried about his future. Music is an unstable career, and he is lucky enough to have real estate as a backup. Okay. And he would take that as... As a Not thing. being supportive of his dreams. I see. I was just worried about him. No, I, I can see where you're coming from. Of course. It makes sense, right? It does. Like, it's logical. Yeah, it makes sense. Finn had sent Marnie a copy of the tape that he had gotten from Gary's neighbor. The security footage showing Nick's truck being backed up and speeding off towards Bluff's Cove. Marnie must have just received it or just watched it. Here's a call between Marnie and Drew soon after Marnie watched the tape. So why do different boards have a different amount of fins? Um, yeah, well, they're, they're good for different things. Like, uh, Nick and I ride singles because we like to walk the board. You like to walk the board? Oh, you like, uh, you walk from the back of the board to the front. Have you, uh, heard of toes on the nose? Oh, yes. And is it uncommon to have one fin? Yeah. Three fins is most popular. It's like the standard. Did Nick have more than one board? Uh, not to my knowledge. He, or he didn't use it. Um, whenever he was with me, he uh, just had a single fin. After another conversation with Gary and an in-person investigation with Finn, they could only find evidence of Nick owning one surfboard, confirming Drew's claim. But when Marnie reviewed the tape, she noticed something. The board that stuck out of the truck, it had three fins. But after reconfirming with the police files, 
the board that was connected to Nick the day he drowned, that board only had one. And thus ends part one of the deceptive drowning of Nick the Fish Turner. Thank you for your continued support and constructive criticism. We have listened to your feedback and decided to cut more of the interviews and skip to the more essential bits of each interview. Please follow us at at Nicholas M. Sato, that's M as in monolith, and at Antonius Nazareth, like the Roman general. For comments, feedback, or any sort of contact, please email us at themarnieblicktapes at gmail.com. Or if you're watching on YouTube, comment down below. Editing by Nicholas Sato and Antonius Nazareth. Music by Antonius Nazareth. And special thanks to Mallory Blick and Zedicus.